Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good grief. It's another podcast from Agile Coaching Mastery. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Agile Coaching Mastery podcast and YouTube channel, brought to you by the Agile Coaching Mastery crew. Our crew consists of Agile coaches from around the world who record the podcast for an international audience, free of time zones. You can listen when you want. We do this to help increase the skills, knowledge, and experience across the Agile coaching community. And it's for free. Every week we explore another part of this wonderful Agile coaching landscape. Each episode is recorded live and unscripted on Friday. Let's join the crew and their friends for this week's episode. Well, thank you, Strange Smiling Man. It's nice to be uh, back. We've had a few weeks where we weren't doing these for lots of reasons. I think Raz had some injections to do. Ricardo was flying. All of this has been going on. We do have other lives besides our clubhouse lives. So great to be with you. Uh, guys, how are you doing? How are you doing, Ricardo, Raz? How are you doing? Oh, no, I can't. I can't hear Ricardo. I'm slightly panicking now. Can we hear you, Raz? I, I, I can hear you. Yeah, I can hear you. So it's just our, our good friend Ricardo who isn't with us for a moment. I'm sure he'll sort it out now, Ricardo, who has a very sporting new modern haircut as well. If you're watching us on uh, on Zoom or you're watching us on on uh, on the live YouTube channel, very nice. Ricardo, can you hear us now? Ricardo, can you hear us? Okay, we'll give him a minute. We'll give him a minute. Can you talk, Ricardo? Are you able to? Okay, we can't hear you, Ricardo, just to let you know. We'll, we, I'm sure you'll get that sorted quickly. So our topic today is what makes a great leader? What makes a great leader? And just to give it a bit of scope, rather than just any subject of a great leader, uh, what makes a great leader in the context of agile coaches? So that could be us as leaders, as enterprise coaches, we have to lead, or it could also be, uh, you know, what makes a leader, a great leader that we have relationships with, if that makes sense, if that's the sort of area. So um, does that sound okay, Raz? Is that a, a good scope statement, or would you like to talk about it a little bit more before we get into the material? Yeah, I love that, the way that you put it, and also I can correlate that to the, the concept of servant leadership, because as coaches, we promote that mindset. And also, we need to exhibit that mindset as well. Love yeah. It. Okay. Uh, Ricardo, are you, are you with us now? No, you're not. We still can't hear you, my friend. Oh. This is slightly panicking because, um, as Ricardo said on a different call to do with business, you know, uh, Ricardo listens to me waffle for five minutes and then summarizes what I've said into a wonderful insight. I think that is exactly true. So hopefully we'll get Ricardo with us uh, quite quickly. So uh, the, the topic is what makes a great leader in the context of agility, in the context of coaching. That's what the podcast is all about. I should say, by the way, before we actually start getting the material, uh, thank you very much for all the listeners. We are in the hundreds of listeners on the podcast now, which isn't bad for a newish podcast. Uh, Raz will have the figures for what's happening on youtube but um i i get the the figures for the podcast side of it and we are in i think it's about 450 listeners per episode uh, when i last looked so that's really high and i'm really encouraged thank you everyone that does that thank you all the people on clubhouse who help us uh, live and actually we already have um uh, uh tristian with us on stage tristian would you like to just come off mic and say hello uh, let us know uh, a little bit about yourself yes. Uh, hi there. Um, thanks, Ian, and, uh, and everyone else. Um, so my name is Tristan Bailey. I run a 
a small agency um, and then we help uh, manufacturing companies with um, software and digital transformation. Um, so that's my little piece. And I've got a podcast um, that I've been doing for about five years. And uh, so it's always always nice to see new ones and, and ones doing well. Oh, welcome. So what's your podcast then, Tristan? Uh, my podcast is called the Cliff Notes Podcast. And I talk to uh, leaders in manufacturing companies um, about their journey, oh, new yes. people, processes or technologies. Um, and, and what that's doing to bring them forward or um, bring them more profitability. Well, I've heard of Cliff Notes podcast, so I didn't know it was you, Tristan, but uh, well done. Congratulations. Um, congratulations particularly for that number of years because I know how hard it can be to get podcasts out all the time, uh, you know, producing content every week. So um, the, the topic is uh, leadership, what makes a great leader. Actually, since we've got you with us, Christian, what would, you, what would your early thoughts on this be yourself? Yes, I was just, I'm very much interested to hear all of your experience on it. But I was just going to say, as an agile coach, the ones that have worked when we've worked with them, or or I've tried to do that in larger teams, is um, sort of setting up the clearer path, not, not solving a problem, but maybe giving some sort of framework or giving some sort of suggestion for the direction to, to solve it themselves, to learn themselves. So I guess that would just be my, my first takeaway. Thank you. Okay, that's interesting. So um, I always say, you know, one of the things leaders have to do is create the uh, environment in which problems can be solved. That's some of the same point you're making, really. And then I also think leaders need to then watch the problem be solved by others who are better skilled at solving the problems than they are. Because one of the things I think leaders do a lot is communicate what the solution to a problem is and ask people to execute it rather than communicate the problem and ask people to come up with the solution based on their knowledge as well. So that's a really interesting start, Christian. So uh, let's open it up a little. Um, Ricardo, are you with us? I think I managed to get in through Clubhouse. Success. I can hear you, my friend. Phew, what a relief. Uh, let's start with some early yeah. thoughts then from you and then Ricardo. Uh, just some bullet points maybe or a few moments to start with. What makes a great leader? Ricardo, in your opinion, you've been, and I don't mean this in a rude way, you've been around. <laughs> you, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know a lot. <laughs> I think a great leader is, is someone who can show us a really compelling vision and make us buy into it while letting us find our own way uh, to, to fulfill that vision, supporting us while we're going there, almost without us noticing. That for me is a great leader. He inspires me, he supports me, and I don't feel like he's telling me what to do. Yeah, that is so good, Ricardo. I think we've finished this topic now. We need to move on. That was such a, okay, a, a good... Okay, let's move on. Let's go. <laughs> uh, so I always say, um, you know, leaders need to create a compelling vision of the future that you want to go to. That is definitely what leaders do. But command and control leaders can do that. They can come up with a compelling vision and route march you to it and, you know, all of that. But the point you made afterwards, which I like, was and lets us find our own path to that yeah. vision. And and then you made another point, which is to almost be invisible. We'll come back to that one because that's a really interesting one. But, um, Raz, what do you think on this subject? Yeah. So very same. I'm more inclined to... Uh, Simon Sinek's definition of a leader, as you mentioned earlier, just the role of a leader is just not come up with all the ideas or best idea, but to create the environment that idea emerged. So, and creating that environment, creating 
and sustaining and holding that environment is a, is a very difficult thing. So it's not just one thing to do. And it's not by rank, it's by uh, multiple things like, uh, you know, uh, like what uh, Ricardo said, just having a compelling or defining compelling vision and inviting people to contribute and choose a pathway toward achieving that vision. So that's a very interesting uh, topic for me. And I love that. I would love to also hear what other people think about it. Yeah. Um, let, let me sort of pause our discussion for a moment and say, I want to distinguish between leadership and management just for the purposes of what we're doing. Uh, generally these days that's understood, but let me just sort of put that out there as a statement just for the purposes of what we're talking about. Management is about the administration of tasks uh, leadership is about people. Leadership is about vision. Leadership is about bringing people on a journey. It's those kind of things. Now, not everyone has that definition in every book you'd read on the subject, but just for the purpose of what we're doing, I think what I'm I'm thinking we're talking about isn't management, but is is true leadership. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and also, uh, I think it's it's good to acknowledge that management is also required when we are. It, it should be there. You can't just get rid of management and just uh, say, yeah, leadership is everything. Well, yeah, Christian, um, would you contribute to those thoughts the same or would you see it slightly differently? Since you're, you're on stage, we, we sort of encourage people who come on stage and chat to us to contribute. Would you, would you see anything different? You've got a lot of experience as well, obviously, we can tell. So would you see it any different from where the frame we sort of started here? And Tristan, you're on mute if you don't know that again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, I, I missed the direction of that, that question. Um, it's all right. We were, to see the... we were distinguishing management from leadership as two different things sorry. slightly. I think Raz just said um, you still need to be able to manage, but we're talking about leadership a little differently from that, and we're talking about vision, etc. Does does that resonate with you as well, Tristan? No, it it, it does. Um, I mean, that was that was what I was sort of thinking when you opened the conversation was. Um, that, that a leader is in a sense their their head in the clouds in the sense of the future and leading and making tough decisions as to where the market or where um, the teams and the staff need to be able to move but then they need to bring that back down and make it practical and make it approachable for for the people inside the company rather than just the outward facing or the financial facing part of of, of their area of the business cool. um, which then is this is the managing the people yeah yeah and and i think you can um you can distinguish even for leadership i think you can distinguish between um le leading for one of another way of putting it the work and the flow of the work through the company as opposed to leading the people that's sort of too slightly yeah, yeah. regarding yeah, I, mean, I, I like oh, to God. think of it as, as though a leader is is hacking a path at, um in front of people or putting the obstacles out of the way for them um rather than um, moving the people themselves, directing the people themselves. Yeah, if I if I was thinking about the hacking the way analogy, I might sometimes go, which one of you guys wants to hack for a bit, please? I'll, I'll watch you hack. You might know better than me where to hack next, you know, that kind of thing. I would I would maybe add that to your illustration. Ricardo, you look like you've, uh, you're have you on, on, on mode. Yeah, I just said an idea of the grand unifying theory of uniting leadership and management. Okay, go on. Same thing. It's just different time horizons. So you can think of management with a one-month time window. And then things are quite well known, what needs to happen. 
And then you can still have great managers and you can still have bad managers, but their focus is this one month in the past, one month in the future time window. While leadership is about the five-year time window. And then by nature, since things are not known, everything emerges from that. You have to come up with visions because you cannot actually plot the path. You don't have tasks. What do you think of that? I think that's really good. Um, and it brings out a point I wanted to make as well, which is I think as we, if we said leadership, uh, five-year vision leadership is about creating a frame, Mm-hmm. What sometimes and you know leave people to sort of solve problems in that frame themselves. One of the problems I see with leaders is they instinctively want to jump in and solve the problem themselves sometimes, and that that actually fits very well with your analogy that what they do in that mode is is sort of jump into the one month management mode. Uh, nothing wrong when you're in the one month management mode of being like that. It's just. Uh, I think the mistake leaders can make is if they just did that mode, they don't create the five-year vision, the roadmap, the compelling vision for the future, the authenticity of it. Would that be fair? Yeah, totally. And this also explains why management is struggling nowadays. Before, you could have a plan for one month. Nowadays, the world is so complex. The systems we are working with are so complex that even that one-month plan actually also needs to be a vision. Very good, you yes. have all the answers in such, a, in such a short time frame. So that's why management is really struggling and they need our help. Very well put, because the speed of change is so dramatic these days that actually even the safe month ahead isn't a good uh, month. It might might need that. So uh, planning horizons come in. I always use uh, 1231A. You need a 12-month yeah. view. You need a three-month better view. You need a one-month view, but you also need to adapt the month when necessary very quickly yep. based on what's going on in the market, in the ecosystem you work in. So I love this idea of two time horizons, the grand unified theory of management or leadership or yep. uh, management and leadership. Same, just different time windows. GULM, the grand, grand unified leadership and management theory. So it's GULM with a T on the end. <laughs> I'm liking right this. Every- Every day we have an idea for a book. We do know. episode's going to become a book. <laughs> I like this one, the Grand Unified. Raz, do, do you like that idea? Do you see that being useful? Yeah, I love that. And actually, that one thing was resonating with me. These days, I'm spending some time uh, learning how to trade cryptocurrencies. Okay. It's very off topic. But one thing that really resonates now is just the, the coach coached me on look at different time uh, windows. So don't trade only on 15-minute charts. Also trade on one-hour chart. Also take a look at the one-week chart and see what the price pattern is happening. Uh, it, you know, in a longer uh, you know, chart, chart pattern. So same thing, you know, like uh, what you said, Ricardo, just uh, for, for, for leadership and management as well. So management is very tactical. You need to just have yeah. a, a tactical view to, to do things but also need to have a better, bigger horizon. So strategic view, and that's kind of leadership is because that, that needs why, that needs inspiration, that needs uh, other things that you don't really need in tactical mode. Yeah, I mean, I, I could argue that if you're a leader who's always tactical, your big problem is how. Okay, but if you're a leader who has a long-term vision, 
to establish why it's why exactly it's always why it's always why that's another this is a great insight guys because i can see now a sort of a model that we could use for this and uh raz your off-topic illustration is perfect by the way this idea of don't just look in one time horizon look in three uh three at least and then you get the maybe it's almost a continuum yeah. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because you're so fixated into one chart and apply all the strategies and all the patterns you have in one 15-minute window, and you're numb and you're complacent because the price is moving up, but what you see in 15-minute window, the price is going down. That's a normal uh, swing of the price actions. So you need to have better view of everything. So I think that that's that's great leaders need to do or need to think about or need to be aware of. Okay, so what the we got? Crypto grand unified theory of leadership and management. Yeah, that I'm won't sell. That, that won't sell as a book title. <laughs> we needed. <laughs> we, we we need a better book title, my friend. <laughs> I, I get the yeah, topic and I get the content. Uh, the book title should be something like "Idiot Managers I Can't Stand" or you know, sur- well, "Surrounded by Idiots" is already taken, isn't it? As a as a book title. Uh, yeah. Along also, with "Surrounded by Psychopaths." <laughs> Yeah, Russell also made a really good point before when he was talking a bit from the Simon Sinek perspective, because that is even one level further where they're talking more about the leader as helping ideas emerge in the organization because this environment is so complex that not even just the ideas of leadership of one person are enough. And then you even change it to more matter that the role of the leader is not even to provide the compelling vision, but to create the environment where that compelling vision emerges. And I really like that. So that's, that resonated really well with me. Very good. That's moved my thinking on, because as I say, I used to think leader's job was to create the compelling vision. Now uh, I'm going back to my gardening book, Organic yep. Agile, and saying yeah. the leader's job is to make sure the garden creates the compelling vision, grows it, and then propagates it, then pushes it out, then tells people. And then, in a sense, I think some of the ways leaders are taught, um, and I'm thinking particularly the kind of uh, schools that I've been on, the Oxford University's ones, for example, that they, there's, a big di- there's a big discussion, and it goes like this. It goes, once you've created the compelling vision, you then have to get everyone to own it. But actually, what you've said there, Ricardo, is quite true, which is if the vision is created it's automatically owned by people because they created it. They've got ownership. They, it, it, is the, it is the beautiful baby, not of just the leader, but the beautiful baby of everyone involved in creating it. And, you know, the thing about babies is if you believe they're beautiful, you look after them. Whether the rest of the world yeah. thinks they're beautiful or not doesn't really matter. That's not the point. So. Yeah. Okay, uh, that, I think that's really good so far. Tristan, you got any thoughts on what we've talked about since you're with us? I'd love to uh, bring in people who are with us on the on the uh, on the call does it has this sparked any thoughts yeah. for you christian no i mean it has um but is is there that therefore um what you're suggesting is that the the team can help create the vision or, or be part of creating that and, and therefore owning it D- does that also then qualify that uh, the the leader should in a sense feed them or give them scope or sense to to contemplate that or or look at their different time horizon, as, as Ricardo put it, in order to create that vision. Because if, if people's calendar is so full, <laughs> they can't look up, it's going to make their vision is going to be very much more short-sighted than they might be able to do if they're given a bit more space or that there's some time to 
to look forward as a team. Yeah, I think you're spot on there, my, my friend, because I think, yeah, as I said, I think the, the, the real job of the leader is to create the uh, architecture, the environment, the space for this to happen. And part of that, I think, is leaders going away day. We're taking a day out of all our very, very busy diaries to go and do something different. And uh, um, so, for example, uh, Ricardo and I are working on something next week in Lisbon. A part of that is going to be get a bunch of leaders and help them to do an exercise for the future that they do, where you start with the idea that you're taking a time machine, going two years into the future and having a big party to celebrate success. And you say to them, imagine that event is happening in two years' time. What exactly do you want to celebrate? I mean, isn't that a, an example of, you know, an environment created to get people to think more long-term and create that compelling vision and the why? Because most of the conversations I have when people involve me, the first thing they want to talk about is the how. And I'm always sort of suggesting they have to go and think about why. I'm now realising that's probably a, a function of, of uh, the Grand Unified Theory of Leadership and uh, Cryptocurrencies book that uh, we will have to find a better title than that, I have to say. <laughs> Every time I say it, I'm going, no, I won't buy that. <laughs> is that not what we're doing? I think that is what we're doing, isn't it? We're, we're, we're helping leaders who've got a short horizon of how to think about a more long-term horizon of why. Is that, is that fair? Yeah. And this brings us to the role of the coach. Ah. Because when the leader asks us, what are the things that we need to get out of it? And then we told them, why don't we try something like this? Let's get these people together and let's help them come up with that compelling vision. So that then, and we are trying to make a short-term decision in that case, right? Is yeah. to make a very short-term decision that starts in a month, but that might have impact in the overall growth of that company. So why don't we go two years in the future see how it looks like when it succeeded, and then think about exactly what we include. And you're just tra- talking about creating some trainings. It like, looks like something trivial, but the impact of what is on those trainings and what they focus on in a company that is going to double or triple over the next couple of years could be massive. Well, yeah, I mean, because I, you know, it's, as, as Ricardo said, the discussion we're having with this company is about training, but actually really the discussion we're having is about what culture do they want in the future. Yeah. And, and how training can help get there amongst some other things as well. And I, I always view that the point of getting that compelling why out as a leader is the analogy I always have is I, I uh, dinghy sail, which isn't the big boats, you know, 18-foot schoon- schooners and all that, but it's the smaller boats, which are, you know, slightly bigger than me in length, and I sit in them and, you know, use sailing. And when I first started sailing, I, I would simply go wherever the wind pushed me. And, you know... Uh, and, uh, you know, what would happen on the uh, on the uh, lakes that I would sail on as a junior sailor was I would end up at the bottom of the lake where the wind pushed me and then I'd get stuck there and then the power boats would arrive and they'd get about five sailors and they'd power them all back up to the top of the lake again so you could do it again. And that was it. That was all we ever did. And it was great fun, but honestly, the only thing I could do was go in the direction of the wind. And then I learned how to sail properly and how to, you know, whatever the wind is doing, sailing circles all the time and things like that. And that was fun because then I was, I was in control of the boat and I was moving it around quite quickly, but I was still just going around in circles. So then I learned 
pick a point that you want to get to on the other coast of the big pond that you're in and then whatever the wind is doing or whatever the waves are doing doesn't matter because you adjust what you're doing to get to that point where you plan to go to. Um, and then having got that in my head, I realised actually this is where Agile really has its day because if I was uh, in a big lake or part of the sea and set my sail to go somewhere and then didn't keep checking whether I was getting there or not, didn't keep adjusting and I just sort of launched the boat, pointed it in the right direction, closed my eyes, worked out that I should go in that direction for two hours, then opened my eyes and find to some surprise I'm not where I should have been. Well, how silly am I? Uh, you know, so so I, I think um, if you haven't, as a coach, helped leaders understand the why, you haven't given them the other shoreline that you're going to. Therefore, how can you possibly know the boat is travelling in the right direction. And as Sunil Mundra famously said on a call with us, speed isn't the right thing to look for. Direction is the right thing to look for because you can be travelling very fast in completely the wrong direction. That's no help to anyone. Yeah, and one micro-insight I got from that is that sometimes the direction to where you want to go is not a straight line. You do need to follow that circle if you want to reach the point that you are. And it's the adjusting that will let you get there because... You want to go there, but at the same time, you have to take into account everything else that is happening. In your case, the direction of the wind. So you need to point the boat, not at where you want to go, but at the reaction to the to what is happening around you. Yeah, well, another thought, if you're a sailor and you, uh, you, uh, you take a boat out um, from a mooring, the one thing you do to start is you, you always take the boat out in the easiest and safest direction according to the wind. You always take the yeah. boat that way to start with. Then you turn. And it occurs to me that actually boats, you can only really turn a boat once you've got a bit of momentum. So starting off on a project in the best and easiest direction to start with isn't a bad thing. Again, no, you've got to turn. You've got to turn quickly. And the only reason you know to turn is because you know where your big lighthouse is, your big cardinal lighthouse where you're going in the end. And I think yeah. that's a function of leadership, isn't it? Uh, we have Michael with us, I think, on stage. Do you mind if I ask Michael how he's doing? Michael, thank you for coming on. How are you, sir? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, so, my name's Michael Law. I'm from New Zealand. Oh, welcome. Um, I'm, I'm the Chief Vision Officer of Surge Consulting. Oh, right. So, we uh, focus on agility by adapting organizations to respond to customer needs in a flexible way. There you oh, go. There you go. That was a very good elevator pitch, Michael. <laughs> Well done. <laughs> what do you think of the topic? We're, we're actually at a 26 minutes of the podcast. We usually finish in a few minutes, so I thought we could invite you to give us a few of your thoughts as we finish for today. But we do this, we're going to do this every Friday at this time for you, which is 6 p.m. your time, Michael? Is that right? Uh, or is it 8? 7, 7, 8. Yeah, this is my first club chat as well, so good. it's been a good topic, and oh, I've right. been good. thoroughly enjoying it. And I just... Um, prodded Raz on LinkedIn uh, about situational leadership because a lot of things that you've been talking about and a lot of aha moments you've been having, I'm sort of screaming at the microphone saying, because it's situational. And I, I, I like where you guys are going of, oh, but what if it's this? And what if it's this? And the reason why all of these things work is because sometimes when you look at the organization, the team, the culture, the competitive advantage, the strategy, the design, the customer, Sometimes certain styles of leadership work better than others. And when you think about that, that's why things like Simon Sinek's starting with why suits organizations that are outcome focused, move into a people centric culture. 
But whereas management still holds a really good place in cultures where the competitive advantage is efficiency and commoditization. So I never want to throw up, throw out certain types of leadership because there are things we know it's not. We know they're not an idol, a boss, hero, prophet, guru, that kind of thing, right? But we do know that there are many different things that could work. And as coaches, I think we should always think about what ones could work in a certain situation and how to help them grow into that role that's situational to the um, the environment. The ecosystem. Yeah, yeah, spot on. In, in fact, uh, this is your first time with us, Michael, therefore. But as anyone who listens regularly to our podcast will know, the answer to nearly every question is, it depends. That's always our answer to anything. And uh, you can't go wrong with that answer for at least five minutes, is how we say it. So uh, welcome to the It Depends Club, Michael. We're lovely, lovely to have you with us on the subject of It Depends. It's good yeah, to be here. It does depend. Uh, especially uh, uh, which stage in the life cycle of an enterprise are you? If you're oh. already in that final stage... When you're just wreaking the last little bits of optimization before your market dies, vision is the last thing you want to have. What you want there is razor focus, cut one penny here, cut one penny there. Then you don't want inspirational leadership. Well, yeah, counterproductive. Yeah, I mean, uh, we, we're at time, but I'm I'm almost on the verge of going Wardley maps. Uh, you know uh, <laughs> how that works. When agility is part of your uh, current culture, and when you need to get into lean methods instead, and all of the sort of how commercialization. Not today, though. Not today. We should take a post-it note and pin that up for another week uh, on the subject. We're, we we should be, be a whole season. A whole season. Okay. Another whole season. We've got like nine yeah. seasons already, and we're 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 only just starting season two probably so we we should probably need to summarize it's now 29 minutes and we promise uh, one of the le leadership is always about fulfilling promises isn't it and one of our promises for the podcast is about half an hour so we should summarize today uh so let's do a round robin and uh, uh michael you're still with us so uh, maybe you could think of your summary point from this well we'll ask you immediately we'll just go around and see what the others think as well Raz, what's 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 what is the thing that you most sort of think is an emphasis from what we chatted through so far yeah, I, I enjoy the conversation. I love that, mainly the metaphor of tactical and strategic view that uh, uh, Ricardo just uh, put in place. And also the situational aspects of uh, uh, leadership or, or leadership in the moment. So what does that mean? And I think that can be a very good conversation for upcoming episodes of this new season we have, leadership. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was thinking the next thing I want to talk about is interaction with humans, but maybe actually situations might be a good topic to go to next week as well. Uh, Ricardo, what's what's your thought? Oh, the, the end of the podcast reminding me of how much it depends. <laughs> we tend to, as coaches, no, but as coaches, we tend to always go for the, we need a compelling vision. We need a postmodern enterprise. We need we need no we need to look at where we are and find out what's the best next step and what's the kind of leadership that will take us there well i i would summarize the same point which is before today i would have always gone leaders compelling vision but michael's quite right sometimes the last thing you need is to change the vision at this moment so that was good and also the idea that the vision the ownership of a vision if the vision is created in an environment by a team 
it's already owned by them. Although I said the words, I think I was led into them by Ricardo and something you said, Ricardo. So uh, Organic organic Gardening, again, that other book, besides the grand unified theory of everything to do with uh, situational leadership and uh, uh, cryptocurrencies, that book that we're going to write today, that one. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay, that's great. Michael, uh, since you were with us, I just wonder if you have any sort of final thought you had. This is our normal format. We usually finish with something that we've all noticed or thought today that's a big emphasis as we finish. So um, since you're with us, thank you for joining us. You're welcome every Friday to sit along and talk and contribute. We do love we do love people who uh, come into that category. So any, any thoughts? Yeah, I think what Ricardo um, said about five minutes ago hit the nail on the head for me. And it's something I always forget is that it's a journey. There is understand your current state, understand where you think you're going to go and take your next step towards that journey. And I think that's where situational leadership and active participant leadership takes the next level for the people that you're working with. So, yeah, thank you, Ricardo. Thank you, Ian. Thank you, Raz. That was a great first um, podcast for me to be involved with. Thank you. Yeah, brilliant. Come along. Uh, Agile Coaching Mastery is the find it on any podcast system you want we're all there there's a live a youtube thing we are on zoom as well if you can't get into clubhouse but clubhouse is quite a nice channel for delivery because you just you know you plug your phone in you know uh the timing is not brilliant but at other times we literally hear coffee machines being pressed on in america as people make their morning coffee uh whilst they're listening so um that's always good fun so thank you very much for today it is the first it is let's face it we've sort of decided it's a new series series two has been launched series one is out there and series one finishes with kobe yashimaru which is a great chat i had with michael delamutha from america i hope i got your name right michael on his theory that enterprise coaches are going to large uh, old organizations like GE or BP or places like that, big engineering organizations, they're in the equivalent of the Star Trek Kobe Yoshimaru scenario, i.e. you're not designed to win, it's how it's how well you cope with failing that's uh, your definition so that was a great podcast and i know uh, ricardo and raz didn't get to record that with me because we were all doing other things but that's that was the end of season one this is season two what makes a great leader thanks everyone for listening and uh, you, if you get the podcast on anchor and you can't come to clubhouse you can listen and contribute by asking questions in the anchor system and we'll hear those and be able to put them a uh, big shout out to louise and sharon uh, and also to, um, I, w- I want to mention uh, Ilmars, because Ilmars yesterday on a call said to me, I've heard you on the podcast. And I thought, yes, finally, someone in the business world who's mentioned the podcast to me. So Ilmars, <laughs> thank you very, very much. Thanks, everyone. That's it for this week. You've been listening to Agile Coaching Mastery brought to you by the Agile Coaching Mastery crew. If you want to join the live recording or give us feedback, Reach out to us on agileclub.club and look for the Agile Coaching Mastery Conversation. Or find us on Clubhouse, look for Agile Club, or subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's called Agile Coaching Mastery. Or you can always find us on LinkedIn. Join us next week for more fun and agile thinking.